Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The world of Las Vegas wine has traditionally been dominated by master psalms and snooty connoisseurs, but there's a new wine on the block, natural wines. They're cloudy, funky, and a little bit weird, and Las Vegas-based writer Meg Bernhard says you should give them a try. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, Meg talks about her time working on vineyards in Europe and how natural wines could change our local grapescape. Meg's book titled Wine is coming out from Bloomsbury next month. It's Thursday, May 11th. I'm David Figler, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Meg Bernhard, welcome to CityCast Las Vegas. Thanks for having me, David. Meg, what is a natural wine versus more familiar conventional wines? It's a great question. I think with natural wine, there's not so much of a stable definition. Natural wine doesn't have a regulatory body, for example, but it's more of a philosophy. With natural wine, the idea is you practice minimum intervention, minimum human intervention on both the vineyard side of winemaking and the cellar side of winemaking. So that means not having pesticides in the vineyards uh, and not adding chemicals in the cellar. And as a result, your wine might look a little funky, taste a little funky, might taste like kombucha, might look a little murky. Um, but the idea is the wine should be something that the earth mostly created. Okay. Now, uh, amongst the wineries that make natural wines, is the process different? So I have observed working on small family vineyards in Spain and then also during harvest in California that in natural wineries, production just tends to be a lot smaller and uh, you're working with fewer grapes. You're tending to work pretty manually. So the harvesting and pruning on the vineyard side of things is all done by hand. Whereas in a more conventional, larger winery, that might be done by machines. And then in the cellar side of natural winemaking, you, you usually don't have added chemicals or clarification or anything. The idea is to just let fermentation spontaneously work its magic Whereas with <laughs> conventional wine, often you're manipulating things, manipulating the color, manipulating the clarity in order to get a product that is more appealing to you. So less spontaneous, more, more manipulated. Got it. So it would it be fair to say, and I think I've actually heard this too, that natural wine is like the original wine. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really great point. Um, when I hear this, I think about 
like food origin stories. I don't know if you've heard of these legends about how cheese was created, for example. But in wine, there's this myth that somewhere in the Middle East, maybe in Georgia, many thousands of years ago, someone left out grapes in a bucket and somehow they had been crushed maybe by an animal. And naturally, uh, those grapes fermented into wine. I hmm. personally wouldn't want to drink that sort of wine. Yeah, um, yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really gross. Um, so, but but I think the 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 idea that natural wine harkens back to an older way of making wine seems correct to me. It's it's more farm oriented, less machine oriented, if you will, maybe pre industrialization focused. And and I'm curious about how it's coming to Las Vegas. I mean, I guess first off. Wine in a lot of quarters in Las Vegas is important. There are a ridiculous number of sommeliers and master sommeliers in Las Vegas. I've heard by some account 10% of all master psalms in the world were at one point in Las Vegas. So it feels like traditional high-end wine is maybe another way for people to flaunt status and wealth in a city like ours, it's really good at both those things, <laughs> the flaunting part. How, how is a natural wine different from all that? Yeah, it's really interesting. So I'm pretty new to Las Vegas. I've only lived here for a year and a half. And before then, I was in Oakland and I was in Barcelona and a lot of cities that really care about natural wine, uh, but also have a lot of conventional wine. And I've not spent as much time in the world of fine dining. Um, but I think... I think natural wine, its ethos, or the, the people who create it, they're, they're attempting to make wine more accessible to the everyday consumer. Often the price point is lower, and often they're not so interested in tasting notes. They just want you to be able to drink a wine, drink it relatively quickly, <laughs> enjoy it with friends. You know, they, they want you to savor and to share. But increasingly, I think um, natural wine in the U.S., has itself become a sort of status symbol in a different way than wine in the fine dining world. It's more of a symbol of youth, maybe, being sort of hip and cool. You see that in Los Angeles, definitely. And I think you're maybe starting to see that a little bit in Vegas. So, Meg, I'm curious about the inroads in Las Vegas. Where, where are you seeing natural wines in our city? I'm mostly seeing natural wines in the arts district and in downtown, Garagist being the sort of forefront of small producers and natural wines, although they have plenty of conventional wines on their list as well. Um, the F-Bar downtown, Yukon Pizza, Vegas Test Kitchen. Somewhere I go often to get natural wine is Night Market in the Virgin Hotel and Casino, and their list is entirely natural. And you're seeing some inroads in Chinatown as well. I haven't kept up with everything, but it seems like it's sort of exploding in the city right now. Wow. Yeah, and RIP Vegas Test Kitchen, um, <laughs> but they, they had a fun run while yeah. it lasted. So Meg, you mentioned Gara Gist. That is kind of the cool downtown wine shop that does have a, a good selection usually of, of natural wines. In your book that's coming out about wine, it talks about that space and there's a bit of an amazing story. Can you tell us what that story is? Yeah. So whenever I move somewhere new, immediately, like the first thing I do besides finding a place to live is I got to find out 
where's a good natural wine bar near me? Where can I get my wine? Which sounds sort of absurd, but <laughs> it makes a place feel home to me. And in Vegas, I started going to Garagiste because I, I used to live downtown. It was pretty close by. And one day last March, I went to Garagiste just to get a bottle of wine to have like a dinner that night or something. And I look at the wine list and lo and behold, there was this Graciano from 2018. Um, Graciano is a type of grape. And the producer was Uva de Vida, which is this winemaker who I'm really close friends with and worked with back in 2018. She's the person who actually launched me. Her name's Carmen. She's, she's the person who actually launched me into the world of natural wine. And I did a full year of work with her, harvesting and pruning and bottling. And that bottle was from the same year that I harvested with her. So it was really crazy for me to see wine from this very small producer, wine whose grapes maybe I touched, like in the wow. city where I currently live, which it just felt really random and very beautiful. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I think that random, beautiful things happening in Las Vegas where you least expect it should be our wordy motto because it <laughs> happens in so many different spaces. So I'm, I'm not surprised that something like that happened in a cute little wine shop downtown for you. Do you, do you think, Meg, that natural wines have finally become a trend in Las Vegas then with all those places that you listed? I think so. I hope so. I, I have a biased group of people that I hang out with. Um, I mostly spend my time with writers and artists who I drag over to Garage East or Yukon Pizza or wherever, and they sometimes begrudgingly uh, taste natural wine because that's all that I drink. Um, but outside of my own social circle, I, I do think among young people especially and people who frequent the arts district, it seems like natural wine is definitely taking hold in the city. How do you think natural wines will change wine culture broadly in Las Vegas? Ooh, that is an interesting question. I think one of the interesting things about drinking wine in a place like Las Vegas is you're already pretty detached from the site of production. You know, there, there are vineyards in southern Nevada, but this is not exactly a great climate for them. No, no. I mean, I'm thinking of Pahrump has one, but I've never been there. <laughs> yeah, I imagine, I mean, vines are drought-tolerant plants, but they, they do need water, and we obviously don't get that much of that. So not an excellent place to grow grapes. So it's, it's sort of fascinating to live in a place that's pretty removed from the place where vines grow and exist. Usually, you know, in the past, I've lived in places where there are vineyards everywhere. I think the promise of natural wine and the work of a, a wine communicator who's selling natural wine is you can tell a story about a place that's really far away. And I think maybe natural wine will get people more interested in places that are far away. I don't know. That's my hope. But I, I think it is really beautiful the way that you can tell stories through wine. And I think especially natural wine because it is not manipulated because there's so much of an emphasis on place in terroirs is the French word. So that that's, that's I hope, how it changes, people just becoming more interested in place. Yeah, and I'm curious if 
you know, at those high-end restaurants or even, you know, at the cabanas around the day pool, if people will start, you know, asking for for natural wines or if they have a natural wine and if that's going to become part of our culture, you think it has a shot? I think so. I think so. There's definitely some people who are really skeptical of natural wine. I'm remembering this one time I was visiting a friend in Belgium and her dad was French and um, to thank them for letting me stay with them, I gave them a bottle of natural wine and he tasted it and you could just see his face totally change. Like it was not what he expected. It tasted like a cider. And he he said something like, oh, interesting. <laughs> so I think too, you have to have some sort of baseline curiosity. It's It's different than what you're used to if you're used to drinking conventional wine. But if you open yourself up a bit to the possibility of something a little strange, I think it can be really fun. And I, I hope that it has promise on the strip. Right. Well, right from the start, though, it looks so different. Like you, you mentioned the process. I mean, it's downright murky at times, and there seems to be things floating around in it. And uh, I remember when I was a kid, if you had wine with things floating around with it, you were probably drinking what they called a California cooler, which was <laughs> these really gross wine-based drinks that nobody should be drinking on a regular basis. Uh, but this is a little bit different, right? This is a movement. I've actually heard it referred to uh, as natty wines, which I guess is short Ugh. for natural wine. But I, yeah, I know. I mean, I'm wondering on a scale of one to total douchey, where would I fall if I walked into some spot and asked for their natty wines? I mean, it'd be you and all the like LA bros with large circular glasses and shorts. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, you know, people can call it what they want. And I think that's the beauty of natural wine is it, if I can get philosophical about it, it sort of defies <laughs> definition or characterization. Um, but natty wine is really annoying. I, for me personally, but you you hear it a lot, and and that's just fine. Yeah, I mean, I'm, what I'm hearing in your voice is that it's kind of the equivalent of walking in somewhere with a man bun. <laughs> which, yeah, okay. But I mean, there is like this emerging trend of, and I hate this word, but. It's the one that fits. Hipster cool cachet associated with these natural wines. I mean, do you worry that it'll start to become a status symbol and become less accessible to regular wine drinkers? Or maybe even the price point would be higher because of all that? Yeah, I, it's something, it's actually really interesting. You see this happening in, there's a, a part of France called the Jura, which is a region that historically has produced natural wines. And the, because of climate change, grape yields uh, are just lower and lower, and demand for this wine has become greater and greater, especially in places like the U.S. It's become sort of a cult classic, and the price point is insane. And usually the people who are reaping the benefits of that cost are not the winemakers themselves. It's all the people in between, you know, distributors, importers, restaurants, not the actual winemaker. And that's that's the shame to me. I have seen prices for natural wine slowly creep upwards in the U.S., which is really tough. Uh, and I, I don't really know how that stops. But I'm hopeful that people who are serious about selling this wine will be able to communicate its philosophy and its point and hopefully stave away that sort of trend towards inaccessibility because 
the whole movement is about accessibility. And if you start seeing natural wine become a cult classic, how is it any different than a fine wine that you buy on the strip? Right, right. Well, and and I think that's cool because it is something different, and I think it's something more accessible. And as much as I'm talking about wine with you right now, I mean, in reality, I'm the opposite of the wine snob. I, I don't know much about wine other than sometimes I get headaches when I drink it. Sometimes <laughs> it tastes not horrible with dinner or it makes a classy beverage choice on a date. Um, how do you explain to people like me what makes wine so interesting to you? First off, I think... Wine, I, I, so the book ex is examining, the book that I just wrote examines wine and its intersections with power from everywhere from the production to the consumption of wine. But a basic premise that I don't think I explicitly ask in the book, but I'm thinking about all the time is why should I care? Like wine is no matter if it's natural or non-natural in the U.S., it's a luxury good. Only people with a certain amount of expendable income can afford to buy this drink. So why why do we care when there are so many other important issues out there? But I think wine is pretty unique in that it's both an agricultural product and a cultural commodity. And to me, it's a really great storytelling vessel. Through mm. wine, you can learn the story of a year, how hot it was, how dry it was, whether there were rains, whether there weren't rains, you can learn the story of a place. You can learn the story of the people who made that, who make their livelihood through this really beautiful and humble labor of growing grapevines and picking grapevines and putting that out, to, out into the world. So I find it to be a really literary beverage. But beyond all that, it's just a great way to spend an afternoon with some friends and hang out and share stories. There's this word I talk about in the book, but also I think about all the time um, in Spanish called the sobremesa, which means over the table. And it's this period after the formal meal where you're sort of hanging out at the dinner table or lunch table with your friends and your family and you're picking at cheese or the remains of the meal. The host is bringing you espresso and wines and you're drinking coffee and wine and coffee and wine and you're just there for hours. And I think wine can often embody that really beautiful communal ethos of just hanging out, not spending your time doing anything, but enjoying your friends. So that's why I care about wine and why everyone should care about wine. Well, cheers to all that. Meg Bernhardt, thank you so much for joining us on CityCast Las Vegas. Thank you, David. Before you go, a little more news. What's going on, Vogue? Well, residents of Paradise Senior Mobile Home Park in North Las Vegas were told they need to relocate by June 2nd because the park is being torn down. Many of the seniors living there have fixed incomes and say they're not sure if they'll be able to find another affordable place to live. Some have been there for over 20 years and had planned to stay for the rest of their lives. Meanwhile, a court date has been set for a looming public records battle between the ACLU of Nevada and Clark County School District. The ACLU is representing two students who were allegedly attacked by CCSD police officers at Durango High School. Cell phone footage from the incident was posted widely across social media, but the school district has refused to release body cam videos and other public records to the ACLU and news media outlets. 
That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Are you drinking a funky beverage right now? Well, tell us about it. We're at CityCast Vegas on all the socials. And if you enjoyed the show, hey, go tell a friend. Rate the show. Leave us one of those reviews that you know I want to read. And subscribe to our amazing, indispensable morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Take care. And, you know, let's not leave out the tipsy part, but that was awesome. And, well, cheers to that.